Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to take a quick moment to pause and to thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for tuning into this conversation as you adjust to a new normal. Thank you for being a part of this growing, engaged community of enrollment marketers. I'm so proud of what we're building here, and I'm moved by the feedback, the editorial contributions, and the support that so many of you have provided. We're going to need each other now more than ever before, and I want you to know that Enrollify is here. We're listening. We're thinking hard about how to provide value during this moment. I want to especially thank our partners who make the work we do here possible. We're really selective in who we pick to sponsor our conversations, so I encourage each of you to check out what they have to offer. Request a demo, download an ebook, or engage in an exploratory conversation with them. These are exceptional people who really care about bettering the enrollment marketing space. Today's sponsor is no exception. Blackthorn.io, a Salesforce app exchange partner, is the most beautiful, simple, yet powerful native Salesforce events platform on the market. Due to the coronavirus, their team has spent the last couple of weeks working tirelessly to update their solution. And now admissions departments and other event planners can connect tools like Zoom directly to their existing event processes, which makes online recruitment easy to manage entirely in Salesforce. If you use Salesforce as your CRM and need ideas on how to move your recruitment and admissions events online, please go and read Kristen Hicks' latest blog post at blackthorn.io forward slash blog. That's blackthorn.io forward slash blog. Kristen is the director of marketing and partnerships at Blackthorn, but she spent several years working in higher education admissions before this role. So she can completely empathize with the challenges that so many of you are facing right now. Read her post and request a behind-the-scenes look at Blackthorn's app at blackthorn.io forward slash blog. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. Each week, the Enrollify podcast equips you with insights into how the latest trends in marketing and technology are impacting today's enrollment marketers. Every episode is designed to inspire new, creative ideas for how to optimize the resources you have to generate the results that you need. My name is Zach Buzicruz, and I am the host of today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Buzicruz and I am the host of today's episode. And today I have the privilege of speaking with Alex Stepien, who is the CEO of CapEx. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks, Zach. Great to be here. Alex, I would love for you to just start by giving us a quick overview of who you are, what CapEx is, and maybe a sort of Cliff's Notes overview of your career to date. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Thanks, Zach. Uh, well, so my name is Alex Stepien, like you mentioned, and I'm the CEO of CapEx. We are a, a, a company founded and focused on helping students get to day one at the college that's right for them. And so for most people, they know us through capex.com, which is our web platform uh, that helps millions of high school kids navigate that process of uh, searching for the right institution, navigating the process of applying to, to school, 
and then finding scholarships and ways to pay for that education. So we've helped over 14 million kids who have registered on our platform since we were founded in 2007. Um, and then in turn, we work with about 600 colleges and universities. Uh, these are traditional four-year institutions across the country. So everybody from Harvard to University of Michigan to here in Chicagoland, you know, uh, uh, Northwestern or Elmhurst College and everybody in between. Uh, so those schools use the platform then to connect with, you know, roughly a million and a half kids who will come over the next 12 months to use the platform on their journey. Fantastic. And what were you doing before CapEx? So I, I had the privilege of joining CapEx pretty early in my career. So I, uh, I've actually been with CapEx, it'll be 12 years in October. Um, and I was just about 15 months outside of school. So I had cut my teeth in some early sales jobs before I came to CapEx when we were still in very early startup mode. And I was actually one of the first account executives hired uh, to, to start the team that would go out and recruit college partners uh, who, who would who our clientele to, uh, to pay for the, the service. Fantastic. So I'm sure you've uh, you've seen a lot of change as the as the company has grown. That's that's really exciting. All the way to the top there. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks. Well, so Alex, I want to talk today about uh, the thing that everyone is talking about. The thing that I wish maybe we talked about a little bit less, but it's hard to to not have a conversation today that um, doesn't start with something along the lines of what is your experience of COVID nineteen been thus far? And what I want to specifically uh, chat about with you is really the way in which high school uh, juniors and seniors are researching and evaluating college during this moment. Um, you put out an awesome article that I stumbled upon on LinkedIn, which is you know how we connected uh, last week. And what I am really just interested in you doing is kind of briefly explaining how students uh, interact with CapEx and uh, why you believe that the data that you all have is at least directionally accurate for what's sort of going on in the broader kind of college-bound population search behavior at this moment? Yeah, I think it's a great question, Zach. So just by way of a little background, I mentioned a few statistics a, a couple minutes ago, but every year we're going to get about 1.4 to 1.5 new students who will register on the platform. Uh, so what that'll equate to by the time a class leaves high school is roughly 50% of the college-bound seniors across the country will have signed up and used the CapEx platform in some form or fashion to help them on that journey. So we have a variety of tools and resources that students can use for free, uh, whether it's uh, calculators to help them understand their chances uh, of getting into an aspirational school or uh, organizational tools to keep them on top of uh, their college list and deadlines across the application process to scholarship search. Uh, and so with, with numbers like that, you know, what we found historically is that we've got a pretty representative sample of the college going audience uh, across, uh, across the country. Um, and, you know, we see that through our work with these 600 colleges and universities that do span the gamut from uh, IVs to small privates to regional public institutions across all 50 states. And so with those kind of numbers, you know, we see some pretty predictable patterns in terms of um, you know, uh, seasonality and, and the time of the year that kids are doing certain activities on the site. Uh, you know, so interestingly for us here in the month of March, we started to notice some changes in behavior uh, that I think were worth talking about and was, really was the genesis for the article that I shared uh, on capex.com 
uh, about some of that, that student search behavior, specifically some of the patterns with seniors versus juniors and, and their uh, relative activity levels. Fantastic. And we're going to we're going to dive into that for sure. And I, I guess I just want to start by asking, talk to us about kind of search traffic in general. How has, you know, especially over the past just few weeks, how, if at all, has search uh, changed? And are you all seeing, um, you know, the amount of search, the kinds of queries um, that are being searched sort of more or less consistent with where they were at last year? Or what sort of uh, uh, effect has this moment had on the ways in which you all are seeing activity through your platform? Yeah, awesome question, Zach. And I think really what stood out to us is in the month of March, we've started to see some declines in search traffic, and in particular for us, new users signing up for the platform, specifically more with the class of 2021 than anything else. And so we started to dig into this data, um, you know, juxtaposing it against previous years on the CapEx platform, where we've certainly got you know, a longitudinal history dating back over 10 years. Uh, but we've been able to also kind of triangulate that against uh, activity that we're seeing on platforms like Snapchat and Instagram, where we do a lot of engagement with uh, this high school student audience, as well as through the Google Trends tool, which is showing across a, a litany of college search and research related uh, terms, a, a drop compared to the typical expected volume in the month of March. Alex, do you have any sort of, just for our listeners' sake, is there a quantity of volume that you can kind of speak to here, or, or is that sort of hard to to quantify? Well, I think on a very macro lens, it's tougher to quantify, and it's you know certainly a fluid situation, but I can speak a little bit more to the CapEx traffic specifically. So I think one of the things that was encouraging that I relayed in the post on CapEx.com last week was that... Uh, for seniors, they're just as active really as ever. So we're seeing really little to no change in terms of either new students who are signing up on the platform to use tools in their decision-making process here as we uh, hurdle towards the fall timeline uh, and or return engagement from our existing user base. So that's, that's pretty much unchanged. For the last couple of weeks, we had seen pretty dramatic drop-offs in terms of new students in particular from the class of 2021 that we're down 40, 50% over the time, same time period last year. But even since the writing and release of my, my piece last Wednesday, we started to see a return to normalcy there that I think is pretty encouraging. Uh, and we're seeing uh, over the last five or six days, uh, return activity from those, those that junior class in terms of new registrants that really kind of matches our expectations for this time of year. So, you know, it's only a, a few days worth of data, but it's encouraging sign and something that uh, you know, we we are going to keep obviously tight tight reins on and report out to our client base here in the very near term. Absolutely, and you know that sort of uh, is a nice transition into one of the questions that I thought you all asked in this survey, which was fantastic. And I'm really kind of curious and, and hoping you can uh, shed a little bit more light on um, in terms of the, re the responses to this question. But in a survey you guys recently conducted, you asked high school seniors. What has you most concerned about your college journey um, in, in in this particular moment? And I'm just curious, can you speak a little bit to how participants responded to this question, and if there's anything, um, you know, notably significant in terms of response? If you could highlight that here, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I, I think one of the fascinating things is we're really trying to look at both sentiment data expressed from students uh, via survey, coupled with 
um, than data that we're seeing on their activity on the site. And, you know, maybe surprisingly, those two are not exactly matching. So specifically, if we look at students' behavior on the platform, you know, the types of schools that they're engaging with, their relative rank in terms of, um, you know, the order of their college list, things of that nature are fundamentally unchanged, uh, save for some some small variants. So really not a, a huge story there. It doesn't necessarily match, though, with what we're hearing from survey results and something that I think, you know, there's been a lot of student surveys across the industry. You know, kids may be expressing concern and trepidation around their financial picture, their ability to pay for school and how that might be severely impacted, whether they've had, you know, a parent who's already undergone, uh, you know, a, a loss of job or reduction in hours, furlough, things of that nature. Or maybe it's the fear that that's going to happen. That combined with maybe some reticence to travel for school is, you know, one of the early kind of signals that's coming out of sentiment in particular. So doesn't match what we're seeing in terms of activity at real scale on the platform, but that's what comes out in some of the verbatims as you talk to kids. Just a quick follow up there. What about in terms of any search related to extending uh, deadlines? Have you all seen kind of an uptick at all in traffic about uh, moving, you know, the the college admissions deadline to June first, or potentially even later than that? I know that many schools have opted in to kind of push that deadline back, and I'm just curious from a, a traffic standpoint, from a search query standpoint, is that representative of what's happening or not particularly? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, as things started to unfold a couple of weeks ago, uh, our team responded by standing up a COVID-19 research center. Uh, so it was a collection of data across the college landscape that we put together to give students and parents, uh, you know, the ability to answer some of these questions. You know, are there virtual tours or virtual event options to engage with the schools that I've been looking at? Uh, have they changed or extended their deposit deadline? Um, are they going test optional? Some of the movement that we're seeing within the industry. And so I don't know that students are specifically searching on that stuff, but we've seen a great response to kids engaging with that content, which I think, you know, backs up what we hear then in surveys, which is, again, I think some anxiety in particular around still sticking to a, a May 1st deposit deadline as opposed to the June 1 date that I know a lot of schools are responding with with flexibility there. We'll jump right back into the conversation after a quick message from this episode's sponsor. To say that the last few weeks have been crazy might be the greatest understatement of 2020. In a way, the whole world has stopped. And yet, enrollment marketers are still expected to successfully seat the fall 2020 class. The good news? We're also living through one of the greatest moments of innovation in history. And where there is innovation, there is always hope. I've been chatting with a number of our listeners on LinkedIn over the past few days. And the question I get asked over and over again is, how do I successfully move live recruitment events online? Folks have been asking me about whether webinars or Facebook live streams are better, what promotional tactics they should be using, and what the best tools for online event management are. As an enrollment marketing technologist, I've seen my fair share of event management apps. Most of them are clunky, glitchy, and don't truly integrate with your CRM or SIS, even if they say that they do. And that's why I love Blackthorn.io. Blackthorn Events is the best native Salesforce events platform on the market. If you're an enrollment marketer using Salesforce as your CRM and or SIS, and you're looking for an end-to-end management solution for your recruitment and or on-campus events, Chris, Kristen, and the entire Blackthorn team are your people. 
We're living through a moment that is nothing short of historical. COVID-19 is fundamentally changing the way that we attract, engage, and delight new students. But the show must go on. Let's start reimagining your event marketing strategy by checking out Blackthorn Solutions at blackthorn.io. As Tony Robbins would say, change is inevitable, but progress is a choice. You can choose progress by signing up to learn more about how Blackthorn is helping schools like yours change well. Visit blackthorn.io. Fun fact, Tony Robbins is one of their clients. Again, get started, request a demo at blackthorn.io. One of the um, uh, things that stood out to me most about this this article that you published on capex.com was uh, you, you guys noted that one of the answers that you received to a survey question that you posed was that I'm trying to convince my parents to let me go out of state. And it really uh, struck a chord with me because I, I was, you know, and it really inspired this this greater question, which is that was this feedback somewhat representative or or not particularly? Do you, and you know, again, obviously we're still kind of early on here in seeing how all of this unfolds for the fall, but do you all anticipate um, any sort of, you know, particularly meaningful impact? And do you all, are you all seeing any search behavior or activity that suggests that there's growing concern, not necessarily about going to college or not necessarily about not, not uh, moving forward with, with, a, with an individual student's kind of top choice, but with leaving their, their home state to pursue any education in the fall? Yeah, so I think this is another one where it really stuck out to us that there was a, a mismatch between behavior on the site uh, in terms of student activity. That you know we're talking about tens of thousands of students uh, at a given time, so really some heft to the amount uh, of data that we have there versus the survey responses, which are obviously in a much smaller quantity. And I think to your point, it's early days, and I think if we talk to those same students now, you know, ten days later. I bet we'd already have different responses as they've been adapting and their families are adapting to new realities. Um, but I think specifically the, the disconnect there is that kids are maybe expressing some of this anxiety, but broadly we're not seeing dramatic shifts in terms of their willingness to engage with schools out of state or in different locales or, or regionalities. So I think it's certainly one to watch. And, and obviously I think this is a fear that, uh, makes sense uh, if you kind of take a step back and put your human ha- hat on for a second that mom and dad might be more concerned about sending someone away uh, for school, especially if maybe that school was in one of the hot spots that's obviously talked a lot about in the news right now. Uh, but I don't I don't know that there's conclusive evidence as to how that's actually going to play out as we think about yield season here. Yield and, and I would you know ex- extrapolate to melt, of course, uh, between now and uh, and fall enrollment date. Do you think that based off of any of the data that you all have and or um, even, you know, survey uh, responses to that you might consider that, again, may or may not be congruent with the actual activity that you're seeing on the platform, but I'm, I'm curious about whether or not schools who likely know that X percentage of the people that they accepted these institutions were, let's just say, the the students' safety schools. I mean, I'm curious if there's been any sort of kind of uptick in traffic from 
audiences that a an institution previously would have considered um, not reliable in terms of uh, a yield standpoint simply because they were higher caliber students or they tested higher or, or what have you. Has there been any, or it, maybe it's just too early for this, but I'm just curious, has there been any sort of activity on the institution side of things that you all have seen um, with respect to student preferences um, shifting and or even just engagement in conversation with institutions that otherwise, you know, may have not had the attention of these audiences? Yeah, it's a great question. And it is one that I, I really think about, you know, looking at the activity that uh, our client-facing teams have had over the last couple of weeks. I've read myriad conversation notes about, you know, the the lack of faith that most institutions have in their typical yield models. But at this point in time, you know, I think there was already some concern just with the, the NACAC guideline changes coming into this year that it might be a whole new world. But clearly with the COVID um, you know, uh, student behavior, um, you know, all bets are off in terms of predictability in the funnel. And I think it really does vary on a school-to-school -school basis, right? If you think about some of the dynamics, whether it is, you know, where they typically enroll a class from, but maybe importantly, some of the second-order effects. Who do I compete with that might be maybe a more uh, academically selective school that might have counted on an international population to fill their class historically? You know, are they going to reach deeper down a wait list to fill those incoming freshman seat due to softer uh, enrollment from, let's say, you know, Asia or, or uh, other uh, parts of the world. So I think it really is kind of case by case, but universally there, I think there's a great deal of anxiety and distrust in historical yield models. So and I think for a lot of our clients, what they're seeing, and it's similar to the attack we're taking, is just trying to stay close to those families and those students to really understand what those dynamics mean uh, since it is, I think, in a very institution to institution, region to region, uh, and so on and so forth. I want to switch to the class of 2021, which we've touched on a little bit here, but uh, just broadly speaking, are there any additional slash particularly interesting insights into their search behavior, the search behavior of, of current high school, high school juniors, excuse me, um, that is, that you all are seeing? Yeah, and, and actually, even since we produced the piece last week, I think we're starting to see some more interesting data. So specifically in the March-April time frame, a lot of student activity historically is driven by testing behavior. So whether they're preparing for their SAT or ACT test and or getting those results back, you know, we see that that a lot of times drives activity in terms of, you know, a real signal for kids to get serious about their college search process. And so in the absence of that, I think as tests have been canceled or delayed, uh, you know, now until the June timeframe, uh, I think that was one of the driving forces behind a little bit of a lag. But in fact, last Thursday, there was an SAT score release uh, for students who were able to take the test earlier this month. And we saw a real return in terms of that student activity that I think was really precipitated, uh, you know, by that signal. So I think what this says is that, you know, for admissions officers across the country, clearly that typical calendar um, that kind of drives students through this process, whether it's the college counselor in their high school who might be in their ear, the spring break trips they might have taken with mom and dad to check out uh, prospective campuses, uh, the testing uh, uh, behavior that 
would preoccupy their time and attention. Those things are certainly going to change here in the immediate term. And so you've got to find new ways to start the conversation with students. And this is something that my team has had success with uh, in, in the social media uh, atmosphere in particular, in kind of changing that conversation to drive students to start that behavior in a different fashion. Have you all seen any uh, search behavior that has indicated any sort of kind of fear or concern as some, uh, and you know, I would even say kind of many based off of the, at least news reports that I'm reading, many of the high schools who are moving this semester to uh, kind of a, a pass or fail model for, for many courses. And, you know, many juniors, right, are reporting when, you know, when, when they're applying to schools in the fall, especially those that are doing kind of early action, early decision, they're sending kind of their their last semester of uh, junior uh, grades and also kind of your, your, you know, if you have them on hand, the first semester of, of senior grades to the colleges that they are applying to, do you, have there been any trepidation around, oh, what happens with, if my school pursues a pass or fail um, uh, model for, for, for evaluation for this semester. Is there any concern over what that might do for their chances at getting into their top school? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think this is something that we see somewhat through search traffic, but it's, those are far uh, more seldom searched terms, but I, I would really draw our intelligence from some of the conversations we have with users and their family. Uh, we also have uh, a college advising uh, area of the business. So some families opt for more premium experience beyond the free platform. And then we work one-to-one -one with professional advisors to kind of shepherd those families through the admissions process. And, uh, you know, I can tell you that in particular with our work with juniors there, there's just a great deal of confusion. Um, you know, I think already you're seeing colleges respond with content meant to inform and educate about how they might look at the process differently. But I don't think for the most part, students and families understand how this is going to impact that trajectory that maybe they've been planning on for some time. So if I'm applying for an, you know, an academically competitive institution like Tufts that has just gone test optional, if I took the test one time in February and was planning on retaking it maybe to super score my way to a competitive SAT or, or SAT, SAT or ACT score, excuse me, Am I better off now being silent on that? If my school is pass fail, how does that impact my ability to show, you know, upward trajectory on my academic performance? These are real questions that families are gra grappling with, that clearly there's not, um, you know, clarity being provided by institutions. So I think there's a real opportunity for schools to educate and, you know, lean into those conversations with families to help them understand, you know, what is a, a, a tough process to grasp a lot of times. Uh, you know, making even more challenging based on the lack of historical context. Absolutely. That's, oh gosh, I, I'm just getting stressed and anxious thinking about people in those situations. That's incredibly rough. Um, and uh, gosh, wow. It'll be very, very interesting to see how schools adapt. Um, not, not, you know, very interesting to see for the class of 2020, but even more interesting, I would say, for how schools kind of change the admissions process and the, how they determine what sort of evaluation criteria they're going to use for the class of 2021. 
So it's be very, very interesting. I've got two uh, final questions for you. One we, one you briefly touched on, but I was hoping you would just elaborate on this a little bit more for us. And that is, do you think that the new NACAC rules sort of coupled with this this reality that we're all living through is going to have a particularly meaningful effect on yield and obviously you know the the answer to that seems obvious that yes of course it will have some sort of meaningful effect on yield but i'm curious to know even if it's just anecdotally whether or not there's any sort of evidence or any sort of um, a conversation happening around schools that are scared that another institution is going to now kind of step in and and poach from kind of their pool of people that were before this crisis uh relatively uh, a relatively secure population that they that would matriculate um what sort of conversation if any is happening and is there any sort of kind of meaningful takeaways that our listeners should note yeah i think it's a great question you know it's, it's obviously a dialogue that we've been having with our clients dating back to to last NACAC, uh, you know, at the end of September in, in 2019. And I think the prevailing uh, perspective that we've heard is that I think many schools are, are secretly very afraid uh, of, uh, you know, maybe some of these more uh, poaching type behaviors, offense, offense related behaviors coming from their uh, competitive set. Um, and so I think in many ways, schools have been leaning in to uh, trying to get out in front of that themselves, uh, you know, staying very close to their student population, their families, they would normally count on um, in their their yield models, um, you know, having good conversations with them. And in some cases, taking proactive steps to go on the offensive themselves to encourage a deposit or to package more aggressively or whatever the case might be to kind of solidify that class. I think clearly with the the events of March, in many ways that just throws that into further chaos. And I know that schools are, uh, you know, concerned that the actions that they've taken, you know, may leave them exposed if the school down the street that might be suddenly very, um, you know, desperate for enrollment because of kind of some existential concerns about their institution might suddenly, you know, go back to students and repackage and things of that nature, which is just going to drive pricing pressure in particular on, on net tuition dollars. So I think that, uh, you know, this is certainly one where I think people lose a lot of faith in their yield models. Um, they are questioning some of the steps they might have taken early in the year and trying to prepare for what might come as schools respond to kind of this big unknown as students deposit now, May or even into June or beyond. So we're obviously really, really just on the cusp of being able to understand what sort of bearing COVID-19 is going to have on on higher ed in general. But based on these, you know, initial survey results that you all have reported based off of this, you know, initial site activity that you're pulling from specifically for the month of uh, the month of March, what do you think enrollment marketers can do to best prepare for not just this fall, but, you know, next spring and, and next fall? Are there any sort of opportunities that you see in this moment? And if so, what are they? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic question. And I think based on the data that we're seeing, especially with some of the return activity coming from from juniors of the last several days, you know, it's clear to me that at least aspirationally, the class of 2021 is viewing this process much the same way that the class of 2020 and 19 before them and, and so on 
has always looked at this. They're still aspiring to the same institutions, maybe across the country. They see themselves at NYU, uh, you know, strolling through Manhattan or uh, on the, the West Coast at Stanford, whatever the case might be. That doesn't hasn't really changed. So who you in, interact with in terms of your prospective student base, I don't think has fundamentally shifted yet until we know a little bit more on how that might change. But I do think for institutions, the ways in which they've historically you know, built an audience, built a funnel to engage with prospective students and their families is certainly shifting underneath our feet. So with the lack of ACT or college board data available that most schools rely on, you know, we think it's really critical that schools lean into digital first opportunities, whether it's platforms like CapEx or there are others that we compete with, certainly uh, thinking about using social media for more prospecting activity. You know, it's something that I know a lot of schools count on more for conversion and yield uh, type elements in terms of the, the tool bag that's been adopted pretty broadly over the last five years or so. But there are other ways to harness those platforms, um, you know, more proactively to get in front of students and parents as well uh, to make sure that we're not, um, you know, taking for granted and compressing a timeline for the class of 2021. So I think more than anything, it's finding new ways to, to build that audience, uh, the same kind of demographics and students that you might historically expect, and then just really leaning into being close to the customer. Uh, and when I say customer here, I really mean those students and families, obviously. No one is going to know better how things are changing for your specific student audience than that specific student audience. So, you know, we hope at CapEx to continue to provide some guidance uh, with macro data. Uh, you know, our team is also available. We'd love to speak with you about what we're seeing on a more local level for your institution. But beyond that, is I think invaluable as you think about how to adapt uh, towards that class of 2021, uh, really in particular. Well, Alex, this has been incredibly helpful and uh, uh, hopefully for our listeners, insightful. I know it certainly was for me. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your uh, busy new reality to to speak with us. And I encourage our listeners to go check out capex.com for other uh, resources, um, great articles that I know will be coming out from, from Alex uh, and the team there. Um, any any um, last kind of uh, uh, resources or, or kind of uh, places you'd point our listeners if they're looking for more information on your guys' offerings and or just solutions or, or, or resources to tap into during this time, Alex? Uh, Zach, thank, thank you for having me today. Uh, you know, certainly would encourage your listeners to check us out at capex.com uh, for our college-related offerings uh, for admissions officers and enrollment professionals. Go to capexsolutions.com and you can see more information there uh, about our college-related uh, recruitment offerings. Uh, and, and certainly would welcome touching base with anybody uh, on a one-to-one -one basis. You can reach my team at solutions at capex.com uh, and we'll be back in touch shortly and would love to share more insights with the data we've, we've been seeing as well as show you maybe how you can leverage the capex platform uh, to reach those, those student audiences that are so critical for you. Well, thank you again, Alex, and uh, I look forward to staying connected. Awesome. Thanks, Zach. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. 
We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to digital resource for enrollment marketers out there. Hey, all just a final thank you to Blackthorn.io, their entire team for making this conversation possible. Please check them out, uh, request a demo. They'll give you a behind the scenes look of how their app works. Chris, Kristen, and the entire team are fantastic. Go ahead and make your way on over to Blackthorn.io, click request a demo, read their awesome blog content, and let me know, give Enrollify a shout out if you end up requesting that demo or downloading a piece of their content. It really, really helps us keep the show running. Thanks, guys.